Aeon. And I'm the Lioness. And you're listening to Box Number 512 Podcast. Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. Changing your world one conversation at a time. The show begins now. If you would like to see this episode along with other exclusive content, make sure you become a patron by going to our Box Number 512 podcast Patreon page where you can become a patron for as little as $5 a month. The link to the page is in the show notes for the show. So make sure you go on over there if you would like to see the episode in addition to listening to it. All right, y'all. Back to the show. Hey, you all. Welcome to a Patreon-only episode of Box Number 512 Podcast, Grown Black Trans Women Talk, our Summer Book Club edition. I am your co-host, Aeon. Yes, and um, the book what um the the book we're doing today is the meaning of Mariah, girl. I'm excited. So girl, really bad. Girl, who, who is you? Who are you? Oh, I'm the lioness, girl. I'm the lioness on the ones and twos giving these niggas the blues. How y'all feeling? <laughs> Sorry, girl. So for our pe- those of you listening in, the lioness is on vacation and she is um, in Savannah. She left the beach earlier and I'm just wanting to connect with you guys. I did not want to miss this opportunity to talk about the meaning of Mariah Carey in this wonderful book. So I am here, even though I'm not there for the visual, honey, I am engaged. So just to let you know, I love you guys. And we'll let's get into this conversation, Bree. Take it away. So um, this is our last book for our summer book club. First, before we get started, I want to thank you all who have participated by either interacting with us when we have our scheduled uh, discussions on our books or people that are commenting or people that are actually going back and listening to the episode. So thank you for supporting us. This was uh, new for us and we were very excited to do it. And I think it's been a bonding experience for me and my sis. And we're going to have fun tonight. So the book we did, The Meaning of Mariah um, by Mariah Carey. Of course, this is a, a biography slash autobiography of one of the most successful pop singers uh, of our time. Definitely one of the voices of our generation, one of the greats of all time, Mariah Carey. And it really gives, the book really gives an intimate look into her upbringing and really the foundational parts of her career. And if I had to sum the book up in one word, um, it's really a journey of Mariah um, finding her voice and really um, staying true to um, her authenticity in a complex and confusing world. Um, I, I just finished the book this morning. I, I started it a couple of days ago. Um, it was just such a great um, and amazing book and it uh, made me look at uh, Mariah in a um, whole different light. Um, uh, Mariah Carey is somebody that I had already enjoyed as an artist 
definitely remember her during my childhood. Like her songs have literally been the soundtrack to my life. Um, her first album was released um, probably when I was two years old because she came out in 1990. And she's just somebody um, that I, I, I can remember her from beginning to now. And just to know this um, additional backstory of just the different things that she was going through. And um, because she writes her own songs and just hearing the stories behind um, a lot of her um, biggest songs to hear how she, the inspiration for them. Um, I, it actually inspired me to go back to a couple of her albums and just listen again, because now I'm listening to it with a new depth um, to the material. And um, I just love that she, once she gets to the end of the book, she thought she's finally at a place of um, peace. And um, really a theme throughout the book is a sense of security. Um, her her all longing and um, trying to find a sense of sense of security, um, and because of the way that her um, life was set up, um, it it caused her to look for security in the wrong places. And now she's finally at a place where she's um, safe and secure, and that she's able to um, give the love that she um, needed as a child. As a course, we're going to go through our thematic breakdowns or things that just stuck out from us from the book, but I kind of wanted to give a top overview. Sis, did you want to come in? Did you have anything you wanted to say? General yes, questions? I did. I did. So this book really gave me the insight that I needed to feel like I really knew Mariah. So she talks about it in the book, but a lot there are parts of her life that were essentially scripted. She wasn't able to be her full self. She wasn't able to share her full self with the world and I feel like with this book this is like this is the book a lot of artists would be afraid to put out because it has such a vulnerability and it doesn't protect anyone and as someone that has a story that is unique myself I find myself you know struggling with how what do you share what don't you share so in the actual audible book she goes into these musical interludes um, I know in the first section way, which I, we don't want we'll to get into the sections later, but I just know that she is someone that is being extremely vulnerable. I, we know her as the legend. We know her as this wonderful, wonderful singer. But beyond that, beyond the publicist, beyond all of the extra, who is Mariah Carey? And so it's just very powerful to see. Oh, sorry, y'all. I'm, I'm. It's very powerful to see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right girl it's all right we're live on set bitch live on set <laughs> yes we are live um and and it, it's just amazing to see that she was willing to be this honest and this open about her family and the traumas and the relationships and the abuse and the neglect and the the emotional um, turmoil that she faced in the complicated relationship with her mom. It's just so rich and texturally and in, in what she really, really wants, feels is her story. So, yes, girl, it was wonderful and I couldn't sum it up better. Yeah, so let's get to those themes. Like I said, we're not going to go a, a, a run through by run through of the book because hopefully you all have read it or if this is your first time listening to this uh, special episode before reading it, this, our conversation will inspire you to read it. Um, the first thing that um, obviously sticks out to me, um, it has a lot to do with the theme of her biracial upbringing. Um, and 
and it made, it made me it made me feel the type of way as somebody that has dated a lot of biracial people um I always say that you can tell when I've dated a biracial person when they have a black mom, right? Because it's just because the, the saying yes. is that black black women or just women women of like a like an ethnic women of color of ethnicity or race or whatever women usually tend to hold the culture. Um, so when she was really trying to um, explain her relationship with her mom in terms of race and how her mom was really wayward. Like, I think that the fear that we have for like biracial kids or mixed kids that have like a, um, a, a, a white parent. Um, and when you go into the society, oh, I'm colorblind and I don't see color, but it's like, you clearly have this child that is biracial that may or may not read as black and they're going to have these racialized experiences. And to hear um, the fact that um, her, fa her father, but to a lesser extent, because her father was not in the house and her father, when um, he was around, he did, there were instances where he connected her to other black family members um, that she had in Harlem, but um, her mother kind of was just um, wayward um, about really pouring into her as, uh, when it comes to really learning her racial identity and just the sense of loss, um, feeling that she didn't belong. And um, from Mariah's perspective, um, kind of getting the sense that um, in addition to her mom just being jealous of her, that her mom, um, from youth even up to the story she recounted towards the end of the book, um, her mom really didn't do anything to kind of um, acknowledge um, the blatant racism that was happening to Mariah. And it really impacted her um, when it comes to her not feeling safe, um, not having a voice for herself. I'm, I'm thinking of the specific story she recalled. Um, it was like a chapter about her hair and about how yes, yes. she was often unkempt. Um, and her like she was talking about how her when her mother woke up in the morning, her mother's hair just fell into place and it was perfectly coif. But um her hair was her hair because it was tangly and it was like mixed girl hair. It was it was always matted, she was always unkempt, and it was kind of like this unspoken conversation. And I kind of feel like if you're a white parent having interracial kids, um, I kind of feel like it's your onus to make sure that you are culturally acclimating these children who clearly come from a different culture and require different needs in order to make it. Um, also, um, the fact that she went through blatant racism in her education and she couldn't she didn't feel safe to tell her mom about it or she didn't feel like her mom would care or understand and then the situation towards the end of the book when she had her breakdown and her mom called the police on her and she was just talking about how her mom like was peak white woman and whenever there was a dispute um sometimes that she was the the center of her mom would just call the police and just like raise her hand and do like Pete white woman. So it just, it, um, it, it really made me think about um, the unique experiences of biracial kids, especially when they have a parent that 
refuses to acknowledge their privilege and also um, refuses to go above and beyond to um, to acknowledge the race and the lived experience of their child and to really be an ally for the, a child. Um, and and um, you can really get the sense that Mariah felt left out there. Um, sis, did you have anything? You yes. So I, I found, I found, the relationship, like you said, I found that relationship with her mother as a biracial child to be very, very problematic. I was very angry reading how disconnected her mother was from her Black experience and how it very much was given, it very much is given, was giving, I'm, I don't see race. And here's why, and I think Mariah Carey's story really, it really illustrates why not seeing race is an issue. So when you live in a world that 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 gives you all of these extra things and you're facing bullying at school and you're facing, you know, disrespect and whatever from the from people around you and the adults around you. And now you find yourself in a situation where you're trying to con confide in your mother and they're pretending like they don't see you and not seeing race is not seeing your biracial child. And um, I, I just that I just was that relationship was so fraught for me that it was triggering and I found myself having to put the book down just because of the comparisons and analogies to my own life in some ways, just feeling like you had parents that just just did not understand you. Um, I also find it interesting because this is something that is a new thing online where parents are seeking to educate themselves. So if you are particularly a white mother and you're providing a, a, a trying to nurture a what is inevitably the world will see as a black child you do have that responsibility to educate yourself to expose them culturally to connect them to people you don't pretend as if they're white because then you put in that child this paradigm this mentality this mindset that they there's a standard that they will never be able to reach and so like you said sis um her relationship with her mother was very, very telling. And I just, it was just, it just reeked of emotional abandonment and just, like I said, neglect. So yeah, that was, that was a theme that stood out for me as well. Yeah. And even going in a little bit into the jealousy, like um, there was a, a let's talk about it. It was a moment where she was before, I guess she was a teenager or she was young and she was sitting, singing like in the car with her mom and, um, her mom told her, "You will not. You wish you wish you were half the singer that I was. Right. You, hope that I, you better hope one day you'll be half the singer that I am." Yeah, right. And then um, it was something towards the end of the book. Um, no, I think no, I think when she was having her breakdown, or when she was um, when they took her when they tricked her to go to the spa, but really it was it, it kind of gave the. I got the impression it was like a, a 24, like a 48 hour hold facility and her mom, oh, her mom was saying that um, I only love the son, Mariah's never liked me, um, the girl, the only one that's loved me is my son, my daughters don't like me, just, just like that, that jealousy and it just, like the fact that this, this, for all intents and purposes in America, Mariah is a black girl, no matter how much she passes. But to know that this black biracial girl was in this close proximity to a white person, that was her mother, that just had this much hate and toxicity to her and just how dangerous, like how more dangerous that could have been. 
Um, I just I just think it's really telling. Um, I just think it's I just think it's um, really telling. Um, so I, going on to um, another thing, um, we got to talk about her marriage to Tommy Matola. Now I remember. Um, of course, I was a kid, so I didn't know the extent, but I do remember she was married. I remember she had the wedding dress and um, the We Belong Together video. I remember that was a big thing. Um, and I also remember it was like a shift. So like, at, like it was like a little shift. Well, it kind of started with the Music Box album because the Dream Lover song was kind of like a poppy, hip-hop, R&B song. It was like a really, it was like a big shift when she came out with the Daydream album of Fantasy. But then when she came out with Honey, when it was like little ballads or the ballads weren't like that, like Walt Disney, like 90s movie band, like the ballads were like sexy and like her image was sexified. You could see Mama was like making a shift like I'm the girls. But to really hear the backstory like behind their... Like the way that it was, she like talked about their marriage and characterized their marriage. Like to me, it was no love story. Girl, didn't it sound like jail? Right. It was no, it was, no, and like, I'm gonna be honest. Like when I was reading, I'm like, did they have sex? Or did they have, like, I don't even get the impression that like they had sex. Um, but I do get how Mariah's story and how like systems of oppression set Mariah up to be partnered with somebody like him. Um, For sure. You know, that docileness that comes when you just want to blend in, when you want to minimize. Um, and had she, a therapist. She, wanted to, she wanted to be protected. And the thing that was the most toxic, toxic about him, his controlling behavior, um, def, definitely a misogynist. She didn't say it, but clearly this man is a misogynist. Um, Boots. His anti-blackness, you know, because it was so toxic, it did make her feel, and it made, it made her feel safe. Um, and it was something that she was used to, but um, I don't know. It's, just, it's, it's crazy how women, how in the, in the most iconic part of her career, even though she's had a long iconic part of her career, but like in the beginning when we first got introduced to Mariah Carey and like those iconic things about those earlier parts of her career where, you know, we see this woman, she's a singer songwriter and she does all of these things that she didn't have control of anything. And she was miserable as hell. Like to know that somebody has all this power all of this influence is amassing all of this wealth, but like are they're literally trapped in a cage and their life is not their own. Um, to me, it's just like a cautionary tale about the music industry. It's a cautionary tale of just about being performative and that what you see is not always the truth. And I'm glad she was really able to, like when she said that, it wasn't until album number three that she realized that she was actually Mariah Carey because he controlled her life in a way where she had no interaction with her fans. It was very much, you know, work during the week. And then on the weekends, we go back to this, to the suburbs, to this palatial um, mansion where I'm kept in a cage. 
And it, like you would never know that from looking at the CD covers and the magazine covers and the interviews and the um, concerts. And um, so it's, what, were you, what were your thoughts about that? Her life is the epitome of the gilded cage for me. Um, I, it was a, it, to look at it from the outside, to look at the success, to look at the amount of people. Like I remember early Mariah and what she, what she did to the world. She struck like lightning in a way that, you know, it's very hard to do now as an artist. And, you know, to be immediately compared to Whitney Houston, to be immediately thrust into this international superstardom and to know that now to know behind the scenes that she was so controlled in her everyday to day movements, like almost worse. You know, a lot of us think about, you know, you know, being a kid and having a curfew and da 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 da. But the, her life was like chill. And it was infantilizing, it was minimizing, and it was it was also a testament to the number, like you said. Thank you so much. It also was a testament to the number that um the number that life had worked on her mm -hmm. and how it had affected her mind. Because being a woman that is in a marriage, I could not imagine calling somebody my husband and not feeling like my home was my home and not feeling like I could go and come when I please and not feeling like I could have conversations with him about my feelings or, or, or and ask to set up boundaries or even ask for a day off or to not have to do certain things like the idea that she was so cut off from the world that it's almost like girl you didn't have no tv you didn't have like I don't know I just I'm just trying to imagine what that house life looked like and it was jail I mean, just to even keep that level of control, you have to really break somebody's spirit and their psyche. But I think for Mariah, from what I've read, I believe that she came into the marriage already in that place of I'll do anything for this fame and willing to settle for a man that she obviously didn't love and who did not respect her enough to even try to love her for who she really was. It also was interesting. I felt like I picked up the tone of like her being this exotical as you sometimes refer to, <laughs> a phrase that you sometimes use. Um, like, I feel like he also represented for her, like by the way they met, like a conquest, something that he had, right. that he put, that he had in his pocket. Like, I don't really care about your pleasure. I don't really care that you, that you get anything out of this marriage other than look what I got. Look at this shiny new trinket that I got, that I got before any of y'all could get. Look at her. And I made her my wife so that I can really control her career. It really sounded like a marriage of pure manipulation and convenience. And I just was disappointed to hear that. And to, to, I mean, to read that and, well, I, I did the audible, so that's why I'm saying here. But yeah, it was, it was just, it was traumatizing to read. And I was just like, Lord, I don't know how I would have react if I would had engaged with somebody that just in a weird way, wanted the world to appreciate them for my shine and my light and my gift. It was just crazy. Yeah, it, yeah, that, her description of that marriage um, before, during, and after, it, it, it made me uncomfortable, bitch. Um, I don't know if there was any physical violence. I don't know if she left that out of the book, but it, it was just um, really scary. And I just came from seeing the... Um, even if there wasn't physical violence, there definitely was a culture of fear. 
Right. And I just came from the Aretha Franklin Respect movie. And just to know that that's a constant theme for um, women, um, female femme artists, um, where these these women are so talented. They're so like self, they're so, um, they're so, um, they have this um, self ingenuity. Um, They're like these forces of nature, but it's always some man um like lurking around like trying to um contort their gift for their benefit and trying to control this um them being and and it's so right right in the music industry um so it's just so many parallels something else that i wanted to discuss um which is kind of parallel to the conversation we had on our show about the um, Brit- the free Britney situation and shout out to Britney because uh, I think a couple of days ago her father was removed as um, conservator as the um, conservator for uh, as the like trustee or the manager for her conservatorship but the part of the book where she's discussing the period like after she left Columbia Records and like during the promotional um, period for the Glitter album, um, soundtrack and movie, when she had a um, mental breakdown and uh, and she wanted, she wanted to rest. Like she got to a point where she wanted to rest and she was begging for help. And um, this was a point of the story where um, her mom and her oldest brother turned on her to try to get her committed. And um, I think about, and I remember, I remember being young during this time, but I remember um, when it was publicized that Mariah had a breakdown and it, and it was kind of like the, the news people were kind of reveling in it. Like the, like the golden diva has finally cracked and we're never going to hear from her again. And she's having these outbursts. And again, I think it speaks to the fact how so when you are a celebrity, you become this thing and you no longer um, become human. And the, the people around you, the people that are closest to you, the people that you end up doing the most for, is like they try to find your downfall so they can find the quickest way to incapacitate you so they can like take money and further exploit you and further um, take advantage of you without regard for your humanity, without regard that you had to to survive so much trauma to get to where you are, which kind of made you, yeah, you're financially successful, but you're making poor personal choices. Um, But they're overlooking that you need help, that you need you. um, She was saying how even through the 90s, she worked so much that she worked so much and she was in an abusive marriage where she didn't even know like the cultural norms or the stuff that you did culturally in the 90s because she was all she didn't know the tv show she didn't know the movie she she knew her music and probably her contemporaries but she but she she wasn't uh she wasn't in the spirit of the time because she was mariah carey the the business the brand um the franchise and to know that the first moment that she cracked the first moment that she slipped that the people that even though she had complex relationships for them, with them, she was still willing to do anything for them. She bought she she bought and furnished a whole house for her mom. When in my opinion, her mama didn't, her mama didn't deserve shit. And um, her brother, who was violent to her, in the first the first time I slipped, you're gonna 
try to get me committed. You're gonna call the police on me and get me committed. And I just think of the parallels with Britney's breakdown and how it was rational for her to have her breakdown, but the first moment she slips, now she's locked into this conservatorship for 13 plus years. And people are not trying to see the humanity in her. They're just trying to drug her up and continue to um, exploit her for um, perpetuity. So I, I like the fact that she was really able to um, unpack what was really going on and really speak to the things that she needed as Mariah the human. Um, did you have any thoughts on that, son? Yes, let me tell you. So it is triggering as fuck the idea for me that somebody can just make a choice like you like you say the idea that after all that I've done after the support that I am after being this business after you muling me out all this time after you taking advantage of me family that the moment I begin to have a moment that 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 makes that it's inconvenient for you or that may look a little divergent from what you expect from me, you immediately, the first instinct is to try, like you say, put me the fuck away. And as someone that is that 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 is a is a is a trans person who I am sure my parents thought was crazy at one point, one of my biggest fears was that particularly before I really got the agency agency to like leave my parents home. But like when I was in high school and I was really, really struggling with dysphoria and my angst. I really, really legitimately was afraid that somebody was going to try to put me away. And to this day, I carry that kind of uh, feeling of like, oh, girl, like the idea that you could have a moment and then you you would lose control over your agency, your money, yourself, your person. And now this is already somebody that was in jail. That's what I'm going to call that marriage. That marriage was jail. So this is already a woman that has been incarcerated. OK. And the idea that 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 that's not enough. It's not like she's uh, you know she was doing whatever and was out in the streets being wild and you know according to celebrity breakdowns, Mariah's it, it, any if you even want to call anything that she had somewhat of a of a moment, it wasn't the moment that we've seen from other celebrities. But the idea that they still tried it is just like oh no, ma'am, oh fucking no, ma'am. Um, I also you know. There's something in that part about her buying and furnishing a house for a parent that doesn't deserve it that makes me want to really just encourage um, people to, because I know for myself, you have to get to that place where I feel like you, you no longer feel beholden to support and take care of people or even indulge people that are mistreating you. Um, because ultimately you're going to be gagged in the end. And that just confirmed for me, like, you know, not now, you know, luckily, I feel like my relationship with my family is improved. But there are motherfuckers that for many years, I was like, honey, if I ever get some money, if I ever get some success, you will not touch any of it. Like, right. you, will, you will not have any access. And I still have, you know, a sibling who shall not be named that it's like, girl, if you don't come around, you won't get any of this pie either. And no shade, and this is the truth, you know, being uh, being one of the more successful of my siblings, I'm like, y'all don't want it. And and I promise you, if you think that if I ever get something the way you rooted it, rooted against me, because we're going to talk about the sibling conversation in a minute, bitch. But 
Yeah, I, I, I just that that really stuck out to me as a theme in the book. The idea that there is no support, there is no vulnerability. As soon as we think you're not profitable, as soon as we think that you might crack the fuck, have a moment where you might need to sit down or whatever, you're no longer worth it. And oh, we're gonna lock your ass away, girl. That really, really makes runs me up a wall. It, since you brought up the sibling thing, it just triggered me. Bitch, when she was talking about how her older sister tried to try to pimp her. her. Yes, bitch. I'm Girl. like, God damn. Were you on crack, bitch? Yes. It was giving crackheads. <laughs> <laughs> Were you on crack, girl? Because she did shit that, like, crackheads do. You, you tried to drug me. Yeah, yeah. You grooming me to be pimped out. Like, come on. Like, and it just leads me to think, like, for the oldest son and the middle, the the old the daughter that's older, Mariah, to turn out the way they did, that lets me know that in addition to the turbulence of the marriage between the father and the mother, like some serious like neglect was going on. Well, if one of Mariah's earliest memories, if one of Mariah's earliest memories, if one of Mariah's earliest memories was her seeing her parents. Um, in a domestic dispute, you can only imagine what those other kids saw because they were older. You know what I mean? Like, apparently, Mariah only caught, like, the very tail end of the of the blow-up that was that marriage in her because she was born younger than her siblings. But her siblings, I think they caught the fever, baby. And because of that, I think that's why, you know, she had that fucked-up crackhead-ass sister that tried to pimp her. Yeah, but um, what, what conversation did you want to have about siblings? siblings the fact that you can go the fact that siblings because of, okay so i do believe that siblings are not necessarily your siblings people who are your blood relatives you know my one thing that I said that i feel like can be toxic if used the wrong way is the idea of blood is thicker than water um i think that's bullshit i think that allows people who call themselves your blood relative to feel entitled. I feel like people in, in a weird way, the idea that I have to tolerate more than I would tolerate from any other human from you because you're a sibling, because we happen to come out of a womb that was sim the same womb or because we happen to be related through whatever way. I mean, it's just, I mean, the idea that people can treat you badly and then feel entitled for you to give them deference and to give them respect and to pay deference to them and to help them and assist them. You know, um, you know, she has some siblings that she has siblings that have different various health issues. And like, she's been really trying to be a support to these people. And the idea that there is no gratitude, the idea that there is no um, concern for her as a person is all manipulation, cons and lies. And the moment you don't do what I want you to do, I'm going to take you down is a problem for me. And the sibling piece really affects me because I know what it is to have siblings that I just not that I just know it's never going to be what it should be. The difference is I don't have no money for no, I'm lying. And I've also had um, a that one of the same sibling reach out to me and very much like a, a sibling that has been very very negative towards me reach out and asking for money or support or resources or whatever and it's always a fucking no from me because i don't give a damn who you are blood is not thicker than water relationships matters and i fuck with those who fuck with me i dance with the one i came with i'm a girl that will choose a family and my chosen relationships 
my chosen relationships with my trans sisters, my chosen relationships with my homeboys, like my wonderful friend Sean, my my marriage and my family that I've made met through marriage. I am content and sustained with very happy relationships. My late great trans mothers, like I am content with very happy relationships that aren't blood related. And so the sibling thing really just kind of really triggered me because I'm like, oh, the I, the, the audacity of her siblings to eat to for her for, for her not to really want to. I would beat their ass on sight if my siblings had done half of the shit that hers did to her. So the idea that she actually was trying to be loving to them and they just could never accept it just sent me right yeah her her siblings was trash the only beautiful thing about her siblings was um her 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 relationship with her nephew who she said was like the only family like the only blood family besides her own children that she feels close to so um who i think is a child of her sister um Another thing that I wanted to um, discuss was um, how Mariah, how her healing had to start with her body. And I, I think that was also linked to her desire to wanting to act. Like now we know Mariah has like gradually um, gotten into acting. We saw her in Precious. Um, and she works a lot with Lee Daniels. She's done other stuff with the, um, them. But in the book, she talks about how um, acting is, in addition to singing, just another way for her to express herself and to really get into her emotions. But during her marriage to Tommy Matola, he heavily discouraged her acting, um, mainly because of control, because he didn't have the influence in the acting world that he did in the music world. And, um, you know, it really it stifled her creativity. And when he sent her to an acting coach and the acting coach was really trying to um, work with her, it was difficult because Mariah really wasn't able to like emote through her body. And she really couldn't do that because she, one, she didn't feel secure and she had so many people controlling her um, in her life. So it was nice to see over the course of the book how um, like the, like her passion and her desire for acting was directly linked to um, how she felt in her body, how she was able to move in her body, how she was able to be free in her body. Um, she also has a, a part in the book where she talks about how she took dance classes from Debbie Allen and that kind of helped her to get more into her body. Um, and I just like the idea of um, getting more into your body through dance, um, through exercise that's a personal journey that I'm on like getting into your like getting comfortable with how your body moves um, being more expressive being more emotive and it's really healing um, it's really healing and it, I was happy that she was able to use that as a tool as she was gradually taking steps to um, reclaim her autonomy because even though she's a great songwriter she's one of the most prolific um, songwriters of our time she could only express herself but so much through the lyrics and um, through the music. So I like how she highlighted that it was important for her to have um, multiple ways to um, express herself. Um, yeah, um, so did you have anything you wanted to say about that? Yes, um, feeling a disassociation is a real thing. Um, and I can relate to being a person that learned how to never communicate through my body, my feelings. 
and the idea that that, that and and when you grow up in an environment that is that that is emotionally abusive or physically abusive or, or in an environment where you don't feel really safe you learn at a very young age to shut down your responses to stimulus and being visual because a lot of times you you, you realize that for, for people that are are emotional predators or for people that are, um, are are treating you a certain way they want you to give them they sometimes feed on the reaction the reaction can make the argument worse the the fact that i see i'm hurting you can actually make me meaner or the fact that or or I, the fact that i feel like i got something over on you may make me more likely the next time to do you away so then it makes sense when you've been in a in almost like a jail-like confined space or or an environment growing up where you're where you couldn't really be um, open with your, your struggle, right? Like your mom couldn't relate to you being this black girl. You know, you're you're in a in a world where your classmates are picking at you for being poor. They're picking at you for being biracial. They're picking at you for you know whatever the reason. And you learn at a very young age to like shut your body down. So you may be hurting me, but it's not going to show on my face. Another thing that I never thought about was we had um, a trauma therapist on our one of our previous episodes for you Patreon guys and guys and gals and, and, and folk. And um, the therapist um, identified something that we don't talk about that she was talking about that she identified with me in my own story, which is fight, flight or fawn. And I feel like there's a bit of fawning that people don't talk about, which is the idea that I'm going to, I'm not going to show, or I'm going to make my attacker feel more comfortable by pretending that this isn't hurting me, that this isn't bothering me. So it makes sense that when she was trying to get into acting, that at first her reactions being vulnerable and in an uncomfortable place and having to emote was difficult because the first thing you learn to do is to control heavily your emotions and to suppress them and to not let them show up in your body. So that notion of like getting in contact with your body and connecting through your body is something that I feel like is a lifelong journey for those of us that have grown up in those kind of emotionally intense childhoods. And I'm glad that she was able to identify that when she got more comfortable in herself and she got more comfortable in her real life, that it, her, her acting was able to improve and, or she was able to at least connect through her body with an emotion. Because there are times where I will even be alone and in my lonely place now and will find my and will begin to feel an emotion and will immediately shut it down like no girl we're not gonna do that no we're not gonna do that and and then, but what's crazy is it manifests in another way so yeah i may not share that emotion but that could lead to days and weeks in bed or days and weeks in a disconnected place disassociating from my body trying not to feel that so i love that she talked about that in her book because i think that could be really healing for people Right. Um, I also want to talk about her relationship with the brat. Um, I really enjoy the part of the book where she talked about um, creating the remix to always be my baby. And that was the first time she met the brat. That's when she met Escape. And they had all came up to her mansion in New York. And um, she said she really bonded with the brat. Um, and then I think in this part of the book, she was discussing how she like she really didn't have a lot of friends um she didn't have a lot of friends growing up and especially when she became into the music industry she really wasn't uh, really allowed to have a lot of people that she could connect with um 
And that's heavily because most of the people that were around her, if it wasn't Tommy, it was people that were associated with him that were surveilling her and spying on her. So I really liked the story when um, Debrat um, went to her closet and they saw her shoes and then they um, had kind of um, ran off and went to go get French fries. And um, at first Mariah was scared, but Debrat was like, I don't know if it was before or when they were eating their fries and the Brett was like, why are you like, why are you living like this? Like you fucking Mariah Carey. Like, you know, they should be like, they should be on your dime. You shouldn't be on their dime. Um, and I'm glad that, um, and of course that's a relationship that she still has today. People know that they're her, the Brett and Mariah are really close friends, but um even when you're in a bad situation, sometimes it just takes that one person that you would never think you would be friends with, that you have that bond with, and that sees something in you that can um, just tell you that raw, honest truth. Like, you are that bitch, and, like, you don't have to take this. And, like, do you know who you are? And um, just that that freedom and that adventure to just um, go on that journey with somebody. And I'm ha so happy that she was able to um, discuss that friendship um, in the book. And clearly that's a friendship that they, that has endured because they are um, still friends. And I, and, I, and I like the theme in the book, how the people that got her through and the people that relied on um, were like black fans. And that was like a connection that she desperately needed, especially in childhood, because there's always the black women that are gonna come through and like get you together or that are just gonna be that support or that rock for you. Um, so- Shout out to black women really fast. Just shout out to black women for us just being able to be so, to, to have this level of realness that can ground people. I feel like a lot of black women show up in their lives for a lot of people in that way. And we are the grounding force. We usually are the, the, the one that will have, that will say the uncomfortable thing because we don't live a life where we have the comfort of being able to be just, of, being, of not asserting ourselves. And that's not a bad thing. That's a great thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm glad that, like you said, that, that relationship with the brat helped her connect a little bit more to that blackness, that black woman within her that that wasn't allowed to really be expressed. So yeah, shout out to the brat, shout out to those relationships. And like you said, and it is an actual little little sparkle for me to know that it was a queer woman that had that impact as well. Right. Um, right. Um, and I think um the last two things I want to talk about are like the ironies of Mariah Carey. So the first irony for me is the fact that um, she wrote all of these like amazing, like iconic love songs during like the first like era or like, for, like the first triad of her career, but she didn't really like, at least from what she described in the book, she didn't discuss like having like a passion, like infatuation until she like had her little short fling with Derek Jeter. Um, so it, it just, it, it, it just goes to show how um, some, somebody's talent can just be so enormous, but they're just such a, a tour de force that um, they're just able to, they're able to, they just have, a, she just has such a great imagination to create these worlds and to create these things without having ever really um, experienced it up at that point. 
Um, and I think that's just a testament to her artistry and her craft and, you know, why she is who she is. And also the other irony is that, um, you know, Mariah Carey is now iconically known as the Queen of Christmas. Um, I'm glad at, at the end of the book, she kind of had, kind of had like her second coming up in because um, the, that's, um, she describes how All I Want for um, Christmas is You finally um, hit number one after 25 years of being released. And uh, not only is it her 19th number one, um, it's made her the first artist to have like a number one single in four decades, four consecutive decades. But um, to know that she was somebody that one, didn't grow up rich or wealthy, um, two, barely celebrated Christmas, and three, she really hasn't had like a true, like to know that she released such a iconic like holiday album and is the reason why we had like people now you have the option to release a, ho release a holiday album if you want to. Like she didn't really start feeling like the spirit of Christmas until she had her kids, like way after she released that album. Um, to me, it just, it just sends the message that even if you don't have it right now, it still doesn't mean that you can't dream, that you can't have faith, that you can't imagine that it will happen, um, and that anything is possible. And as long as you um, are a good person, as long as you have a good heart, as long as you're willing to do the work like Mariah has done and probably still is doing, that like... Um, your fairy tale can happen for you. So it just it just teaches me that to keep myself optimistic, just because I don't have it doesn't mean that I can't long for it or I can't um, envision it or I can't um, cultivate the space for it that when it does come, I'll be able to really um, bask in my feeling. Um, so, so what are your thoughts about that? Um. I mean, I feel like you. I feel like you summed it. I feel like you summed it up pretty good. I guess my my hope and my and this is the truth. My hope is is that because sometimes you wonder if when somebody writes a book like this, and and and, and this is I'm, I'm sorry if I'm I'm straying off topic, but sometimes when people write a book like this, you wonder if they've I don't know. I just I hope that this is going to be a catharsis for her and, and, and in her journey um, going forward. Cause I feel like it, writing books like this can bring up a lot of stuff. Um, and that's just something that ran across my mind. But to your point about Christmas, I can relate to Christmas not being my most fun holiday. I can relate to her talk about how there's this net, there's this joy that she doesn't have. So I don't have that joy yet. And I hope that when I have children, I'm able to really enjoy the spirit of Christmas. I enjoy Christmas music because I'm able to associate the music with my early childhood in which I sang in, you know, choir, did the Governor's Carol Lighting Choir mm -hmm. for um, South Carolina. And I remember singing on the steps of the, the the state house and being having an audition and go through multiple auditions to get my spot and really feeling proud to be one of the children selected to sing in this mass choir. So I, I that gives me esteem. I also sang in my college choir and we, you know, and, and we did carol lighting and things of that nature. So I I can relate 
to Christmas in that way. But I know what it is to kind of be going through the motions and to feel like there's always some shit around the holidays. I have, I'm one of those girls, it's always been some shit. I hate winter in general. I don't even like fall because usually, no shade, my life, my, my prosperity when I was younger, it used to dry up with the leaves, baby. <laughs> like if the summer would be the best time of my life coming out of the winter into the spring would be a great time but going into winter that fall in the winter transition will always just be like some shit and so I can relate to the holidays just not being that girl and I'm hoping and, and this book did give me that inspiration that for for hoping that my children will give me the the spirit of Christmas that I don't have at the moment I'm definitely honest, girl. Um, but I'm glad. I'm glad that um, you know this book will be can be an example for that because it's an example for like I feel like as long as you cultivate it, it can happen. Um, it, facts, it, big it facts. It can happen. It can. It can. It might be. It might be five years from now. It might be ten years from now. It might be twenty five years from now. But like, I just believe when it's the right time for shit to happen, like it's um going to happen and i just i just like that um i just like that she's at peace oh i got a, another story she talked about when she took her mama to the presidential election and no that's what her mama said that she um hates her daughter when her mama got drunk her mama she took her mama to like um some like um politician event this bipartisan politician event and the president was there and her mom got drunk and was um cussing people out and was saying she her mama was late i don't know if her mom is still alive i, I think she is. she is she's still alive i think she don't deal with her but i believe she's still alive yeah her mother was late like like you have the nerve like you barely raised this girl and you have the but girl, it's too much. But um, yeah, her mother was late. Um, but yeah, I've I really, 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 really enjoyed this book. Um, this has made me have like a whole deeper love for her, just a deeper respect for her. And I'm just happy that um she's at peace. Um, you she's she's just at peace, like she know now she knows that she is mariah carey and now she could now she's at the point where she can bask and be she's now a legacy artist like she will always be mariah carey nobody is taking it back from her no matter how many young girls come up and you know get it faster do you think that this will do you think i do you think that she cares about how this will affect her relationships with her family members i know she's past that but do you think that this book could bring up any um, problems for her with these people? Because it sounds to me like these are people that are waiting for a moment to embarrass her. And so um, no, and I say this, I think she's now, the impression I get from the book is that she set her life up in a way where she is going to survive either way. Like no matter what her family does, like she's still Mariah Carey. She's still Mariah Carey, and the people the people love her. Like we we like I don't think like it's nothing anybody that could say or tea they could spill that's gonna make us not um, fuck with Mariah Carey. And her family is just gonna have to be like my question for her family is: all this time has passed. What the fuck have you done? And y'all are way older than her. Like why don't y'all have careers? Why aren't y'all established? Like why like that like, part. Let this, la let this lady live her life. Like, this is somebody that 
you know, and we don't, unfortunately, we don't get this too much with our celebrities where they're able to work through their demon. And for Mariah, it could have been a lot worse. Um, it could have been a lot worse in the fact that she's able to work through her demons to get to the other side and find her peace. Like, that's all we can ask for, especially for our Black celebrities. Because celebra celebrity is not easy. It's not hard. Being a, a star is not hard because it's so demanding. And the fact that she still has her peace of mind and she's able to go and do music and tour when she wants to do it the way that she wants to do it. Like that, like that, like yeah. that's all you can ask for. Now she's at a point where she can actually take the time to sit and smell the roses. Yes, yes, and you know he. And also, there's there's something to be said about creating your own oasis of happiness, and not having your happiness depend on trying to convince other people to love you. So I, for that, I am eternally grateful for that lesson. And, and this journey that she took us on with this book was fierce, bitch. And I'm just so glad that she told her truth because I think that's a testament to people too. You know, a lot of times in this life, people will wait or they will wait till they're 70 when everyone else they're talking about is dead to say what they got to say because they don't want to hurt feelings or they don't want to upset the apple cart or paint a picture or they're worried that the press will get messy. But at the end of the day, some, if there's something to be said for being a grown-ass woman and like you said, setting your life up in a way where you can tell your truth and feel okay telling it. Not many people feel that empowered. So it right. really is an act of courage. And a, and a really testament and a testament to how far she's come as a person that she would literally live in a household where she had no voice and now be airing everyone out in her memoir. So and saying, bitch, come for me. Basically, you want to sue me? I've been a sue, bitch. I'm bitch. I have the lawyer on speed now. Well, yeah, and that's why I, I mentioned, like, do you think that they would try it? I'm pretty sure they will, but. You know, I don't know, but I just, I have so much respect for her. Like this is, that's deep. Cause even my own story, there are parts that I don't even know if I could say while the people that I'm talking about are still alive. So the idea that she is able to just do that and be like, yeah, fuck it. It is what it is. Y'all, we just gonna roll. I think, I think you just have to get to the point where like some people are just going to be mad and there's nothing you can do about it. Facts, facts. But I mean, it's still a tremendous, a tremendous leap of faith and an act of courage. And, you know, millions of dollars also help. Okay. That's, you know, but, you know, it's still difficult no, nonetheless. So, but, so before we end it out, because we've hit our hour, what are your top five Mariah Carey songs? Um, My top five Mariah Carey songs are Vision of Love. Um, just because of his joy and his jubilance. Mm -hmm. I really, really liked, um, I really, really liked um, Circles from um, her Emancipation of Mimi album. I have to add that because um, I know that, that feeling of running around in circles over someone, but not just someone, a situation and falling into this cycle. And I just think that was such a beautifully sung song. And to be honest, the Emancipation of Mimi, that whole album is just like just what it represented for me for her as an artist and also her pipes on that album what that's like she really really because a lot of mariah Carey singing these days you know she relies very heavily on her head no head voice and her falsetto which is beautiful and i'm not complaining 
but I, I, I can like a good belt, and she really belted on that album. Um, you said top five, so that's two. Um, it's so many. Oh, dear Lord. Um, I really, really liked Hero, just for what that represented in my own childhood. Um, I believe that song was played at one or both, like my middle school, elementary, and I think no, it might have been my middle school graduation, and then I think it was played again at my high school graduation. So shout out to Hero. Um, okay, so that's three. Um, give me a look. Uh, uh, I'm trying to. Um, what is that one? Heartbreaker. Heartbreaker. Don't run them games on. Yeah, heartbreaker. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Because that to me was, that was Kant, Miss Mariah. That was Miss Mariah for me that really made me feel it in a very, in, in a very like sexually empowered way. That's the Mariah that gave me hope that there was something more beneath the surface than just her being a pretty voice. And that's when I feel like, even though, you know, um, there's been commentary on, you know, oh, she's trying to be black now, but I appreciated that I felt like she was stepping into her melanin in that moment. So that was dope. And then I last, one <laughs> only because it's an earworm and I can't get out of my head. Get the fuck out. <laughs> okay. Why don't you get the fuck out? Yes, honey. Because that Mariah, that get the fuck out energy is what I feel like she brought in this book. That that you, you get the fuck out. Just I, I don't want you in my life. I don't want you in my I, I, we're not doing this no more. Just get the fuck out. And I just live for that energy. What about you, sis? What are your top five Mariah Carey songs? This is going to be hard for me because Mariah Carey is one of my like foundational staple girls. Um, Facts. Um, Can't let go. Um, I just I love that song, especially the end when she hits that high note. Um, Can't let go. Breakdown. Um, to me, if I had to pick like her favorite her favorite song that she's done that I can listen to over and over again is that song. And I just, that's like peak Mariah, like blending hip hop and R&B. And it's just, a, it's a, it deserved, it deserved more than what it got. I, I feel like that should have been a number one song. It's just a bad song. Um, Can't Let Go, Breakdown, um, Always Be My Baby. Um, I picked that one because it's, it's just like one of them like, radio pop records that like anytime you hear it it sounds fresh it sounds good like anytime you hear it like from the first time I heard it when I was a kid to now uh -huh. it's just a it's it sounds good it's a feel good song she sings down always be my baby has to be on the list um um what's another song um um I would have to say from the Emancipation of Mimi album, if I had to pick one song from that album, Stay the Night. Like, Stay that the song, Night. That's not nice, yes. bitch. It's not like, it's like, it's not like, that's how you like, it just, that whole album, like from beginning to end, girl, it was like, I love that she had that moment where she was able to like come back and let the girls know that I'm that bitch. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Like, I love a I love a good comeback kid, honey. And she gagged the girls on emancipation of Mimi. She has a comeback. And then for my fifth one, oh God. Um, 
it would have to be it, it would have to be between okay it's gonna have to be a tie it's gonna be between make it happen make it happen um make it happen fantasy and underneath the stars so make it happen. oh girl how you gonna have a three-way tie bitch well, it would have to be make it happen because make it happen makes me think of my early childhood. Like I remember that song constantly, and I like how like that's like the perfect blend of like pop song with like church harmonies. Like because that like to me make it happen. It, it's the background that makes that song. Like the people, yes, like it's yes. the background that makes that song. And fantasy, I like fan like fantasy is one of them records like. The remix or the regular, the first time I heard that as a kid, I was like, bitch, this is the one. Like, just the first time, like, when you hear the original version, when you hear that, like, when she just, (laughs) yes, ma'am. Like, when I hear it, it instantly takes me back to being a kid in the 90s. And the fact that it debuted at number one, like, it makes sense, girl, because it was that. And then I like Underneath the Stars because that's a song from the album. And that song is just so pussy. It's just like when you were like, when you was like the little boy running around with this towel on your head pretending that you were a girl, like that was the song that was playing in the background that made you feel like the kind. Okay, bitch. <laughs> that's that's funny. That's funny, the imagery you just gave. <laughs> Girl, you, 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 remember, uh, you remember running around with this towel on your head when nobody was there and the music was playing, bitch? Honey, I had a 82-inch bundle of... I had an 82-inch bundle of fitted sheet around my head, girl. <laughs> Bitch, I was the girl that had that would have the fitted sheet with the with the, with the the part at the end where it could wrinkle around. And I right. had it around my head, girl. And I would put a little scrunchie on the back and have a 82-inch pony. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, but that, that was fun. Um, if you have not read the book, The Meaning of Mariah, please go get it. It's such a um, good and satisfying read. Mariah, I don't know if you'll ever see this, but thank you for telling your story. Also, Michaela Angela Davis, who helped write it with her. Thank you for um, sharing Mariah's story. We're just so happy that we have a legend that that got over and came to the other side and we are just able to enjoy you and love on you and celebrate your legacy. And um, this is why I love reading autobiographies of like singers and entertainers because it it makes you feel, it makes you feel closer to them. I remember I read the autobiography of um, Aretha Franklin and it just it made it made me um, feel so close to her. But if you haven't seen the Respect movie, you got to go see it, bitch. Jennifer Hudson did her motherfucking thing, bitch. Great movie, great. But movie. I can't wait to see it, girl. You really have sold it now, so I can't wait till I, I go. You gotta bring your tissues because you will be crying. Oh, girl, I kind of you know. I, after the first documentary that came out, I'm, I'm already prepared for trauma, girl. So I, I, I think I'll be okay. It will be, be good trauma. It'll be, it'll because again, like the Respect movie is about, it was, it was really about how 
Aretha had to break away from her father and ultimately actually had to break away from her first husband to really kind of like find her voice and do the music that ultimately made her successful when she came out with respect, like when she came out with the respect record, like that was her, that was kind of like her, like Mariah Carey butterfly moment. Like, this is the type of music I want to do. This is how I want to sound. This is how I want the music to sound. These are the musicians I want to work with. And when she did it her way, she became that girl. And it's all about about trusting yourself and walking in your purpose. Have you ever heard the book? I want to introduce, and this isn't necessarily a, a book club thing, guys. But while I was on this vacation, I was gifted a book from my dear, dear friend, Sean, and it was called Burn After Writing, and it's by Sharon Jones, and it's called, it's Welcome to the Book of You, and essentially it's a dossier or your black book where you, um, where you're able to write out things and 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 they have guided questions and the book essentially is designed for you to do some introspective work and tell your truths and get beyond the lies. I know that we talked about um we talked about um you know getting beyond lies and unpacking the lies in one of our last reported episodes at the women's health i mean the the women's summit at the the dolls are thriving women's summit that we had the pleasure of participating in but this burn after writing book is so interesting so you can burn it i guess if you want to um and because in the book you'll be you you know it's encouraging you to, to really think about yourself and it's not all bad so you know, like how some some of the things that we talk about, like top five bands, top five albums, top five concerts, it just allows you to um, look at the lives of my friends and who I think has gotten it right. Who, um, the, like, what am I? What am I jealous of? And you're supposed to write all these things out so to really help you flush out who you are and where you are in the moment. And then if you choose to burn after writing, and the burning is supposed to be like an act of a purge for those people who are revealing truths about themselves because this book if you feel it if you handle it um if you write if you fill it out properly you will actually really really be telling a lot about yourself and ultimately you know if you choose you have the ability to, to purge that those uncomfortable truths and the lies that you told the things that you never revealed to anybody you have the opportunity to purge it and burn it if you like and i just think it's a wonderful book and so it's called burn after writing by sharon jones and i just feel like everybody should have this journey and i want to thank my dear dear friend sean miles for introducing me to this book because i i truly truly feel like this will really, really help me. And it, it, it's a really dope experience. And, you, and the goal is for you to open up to pages. And, it's, and you know, it's not a book from beginning to end. It's not words in the book. It's you providing the narrative for your own life. Um, if I could pick up a phone and right now and call one person living a dead, who would it be? You know, and just making you think about certain things. So I just wanted to put that nugget out there. I think it's a wonderful, it's essentially like a little baby workbook and it's sold at Target and other fine stores. So just, yo, you guys check that out as well. Thank you. Thank you for um, sharing that. And thank you for bringing that to um, this conversation, honey, because we got, we got to, we got to, we have to write it out. We have to, we have to start believing in our dreams and just believing in ourselves, listening to ourselves and trusting ourselves a little bit more. And once you remove those distractions, that's real it becomes really easier to do so thank you for sharing that sis so it's my pleasure so 
Thank you all for joining us for this very Patreon-only edition of our Summer Book Club. Um, thank you all for supporting the show. If you're watching this, that means you're a patron. So thank you for financially um, contributing to us. This means so much for us. And we hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Please be safe. And we will you will hear us on the airwaves soon. We love you guys. Thank Bye. you for listening to another episode of Box Number 512 Podcast, Grown Black Trans Women Talk. And don't forget to become a patron on the Box Number 512 Patreon page, where we have all new exclusive content. And also, don't forget to follow us on our social media, on our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook pages. And also, become a subscriber on our YouTube page. Until next time, bye. bye.